Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are now listening to Believe in the ACC with my husband, Mr. Talking Noise, Lloyd Spence, and our brother, Heisman Trophy and Florida State legend, Charlie Ward. And now, Lloyd and Charlie. Go get them, fellas. Welcome again to Believe in the ACC. And you notice at the beginning of this episode, the music changed as well as the introduction changed. And the reason for that is because we have a new co-host. As you can see, he is Heisman Trophy winner, Hall of, College Hall of Famer, Charlie Ward. I am so excited, brother, to have you on the team. Um, first of all, let me just say I'm, a, I'm obviously a huge fan. <laughs> uh, you meant a lot to me as a uh, player uh, growing up in, 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 you know, playing sports, but also just watching sports to see somebody that looked like me playing the position of quarterback at such a high level uh, was inspiring. I remember it was you and Tommy Frazier that really had this, like, this, wow, this could be done at a really high level. Like, you know, so I always appreciated that about you, man. Uh, and now I get to work with you, so I'm excited about having you on board, man. Welcome to Believe in the ACC. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, you like Lord or Spence? Either one, man. Either one. Whatever you feel comfortable with. I'm good with well, both. I, I heard, I heard, you, I heard your wife uh, say Spence the other night. Yeah, she said so, Spence. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I just piggyback on of her since we're gonna be family. Yeah, uh, man. But I, I appreciate you having me uh, as your co-host. Um, I hopefully I'll uh, be able to hang with you, uh, share some wisdom, some knowledge on you know ACC. And I do believe in the ACC because, you know, they gave us an opportunity, Florida State, uh, to be a part of ACC. I'm not sure if it's for football or basketball, but we're grateful for both um, and all the other sports that, you know, we have going on um, in ACC. But I'm looking forward to it. Definitely looking forward to hopefully uh, getting a chance to see some football this weekend. Definitely oh, yeah. Awesome. Time. Yeah. So – let me let's talk about that for just a second, man, because that is um, this is like I said, this is uh, a monumental time for us to do this show, but it's also a monumental time for the ACC. The ACC has dramatically changed from when you were playing to where it is now. Talk a little bit about that 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 shift that you've seen from the, the competition that you remember and now today's competition with the additions of of like Louisville and Pitt and those kind of teams? Uh, the teams have definitely changed over the course of time, you know, some additions, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, we kind of jumped in uh, as a football school uh, into the ACC. And I'm not sure if we were, uh, you know, responsible or helped to be responsible for, you know, the ACC becoming a football powerhouse in a sense, uh, meaning you yeah. know, we have we have someone in the ACC that can compete for championships um, on a on a given year, uh, but it's just like any other 
uh, team. Uh, when you have a top tier team, everyone's shooting for that team. Right. And so Florida State was that in ACC football wise uh, for, you know, since we were, since we came into the conference and now everyone's shooting for Clemson. You know, Clemson's like the, the right. standard now right. and everyone is, you know, working towards that, you know, model. Uh, but I just do believe that, um, you know, we were, things have changed from that perspective. Basketball, we've kind of made our known uh, our way, you know, in, into that mix as well. Yeah. Um, but just overall, the competition has been um, football, basketball, and all the other sports, uh, softball, you no know, Florida State, of course, I'm speaking of Florida State, but yeah. they won a, a, a championship uh national championship a couple years ago yeah. and i'm not sure if that's kind of happened in the acc um so it's you know there's a lot of great competition i think from top to bottom whether it's you know five or six teams that are good from year to year but the standard now is to try to continue to develop and build the type of teams that are at the top yeah and you know most times those stability and good athletes and support. What what was Florida State the first national championship in the ACC? Was that the first one or was that Miami? Was that well Miami? Miami was in the Miami ACC. Came, right. I didn't think so. I thought they were in the Big East. Or right. Yeah. So they came later as well. So Correct. wow. So Florida State was the first probably national championship team in the, out in the ACC, right? Uh, probably in our lifetime. Yeah, in our, right, in our lifetime. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's exciting, man. And Clemson, Clemson, I think, Clemson, um, I think Clemson won it in 1981. They won in 81, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. during that time. I think Clemson won it in 1981, for okay. sure. But, but now, I don't know if there was a more celebrated ACC championship than the one my co-host won. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit about that, man. Uh, what was it like uh, in the in the 90s to win a national championship in Florida State? Uh, well, it was definitely a surreal moment. Uh, we had worked, I've been there for five years. I was a fifth year senior. And all the years before me, you know, we were one or two games away. <clears throat> Normally, Miami game was a kicker for us. And, but we were there, you know, almost every year yeah. um, in some form of fashion in those five years. And it was just the fifth year that we were able to um, get into the championship game. Yeah. Um, you know, if we, our whole goal, because we had won all of our, <clears throat> we had won all, all of our uh, bowl games. Uh, I know all the years that I've been there. And if we could have gotten into a championship game in the bowl game, we, we knew we would have a chance to win one. Right, right, right. Or win a few. Uh, but we never could get into the championship game during the bowl season um, until um, our senior, my senior year. And so, you know, it was a tough game against Nebraska. And it was a well-fought uh, competition uh, between both of us uh, because a lot of people didn't give them – the credit that they deserved coming in. I mean, they were on the top, they were the top team at the time. Yeah. And, you know, we had a, a, a very good offense, but people, 
just kept discrediting our defense. Um, the two years that I played, we had very good defenses. Um, and that's what we rode to our championship. And that's where most teams are going to ride. Um, I mean, you may come in with a great offense, uh, but defensively, you got to be sound and you got to have some, some guys that can get it done. And we were blessed to be able to have that. Uh, but winning it for Coach Bowden, winning it for FSU, and also being on that first team, uh, you always be remembered for being the first national the first, champion yeah, yeah. here at Florida State. So now, okay, you, first of all, you said a, a couple of amazing things right there. Number one, you said the word fifth-year senior. I don't know the last time I ever heard those words in college football. Fifth-year senior, that's crazy. But the other thing you said to me was the defense. I'm trying to remember some of the guys on that team. Was that uh, was was that Peter and those guys, Bowyer and those guys, or was that after you? Right. Actually, Peter Bowyer, those uh, guys, Andre Wadsworth, they were all freshmen. I mean, they were true freshmen. Um, my senior year. Really? So they were. So they were on the scout team. Yeah, that was our scout team. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. Your team was so good that Peter and Peter Bowyer and Andre were on the scout team. Yes, actually, Andre Wadsworth was a uh, walk-on. You had Renard Wilson um, on that defense uh, as well, uh, on the scout team defense. Uh, but, you know, we have Derek Brooks, Corey Sawyer. Um, uh, Todd McIntosh, who's no longer with us. Uh, we had some solid uh, Clifton Abraham, who's a Texas guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken Alexander, who's another Texas guy. Um, and so we had some um, some pretty good football players on that side of the ball. Um, but a lot of some of them played pro. Um, a lot of a few of them didn't. Um, yeah. But they were still good football players, and we were great for uh, Derek Alexander was another guy who made it to the NFL. Yeah, uh, he was on the defensive line, and so we had solid solid players on that defense, and really only a few, few people knew um, Derek. Uh, they knew Derek Brooks, they knew Corey Sawyer, and Clifton Abraham, yeah. um, and, and Derek Alexander, but they didn't know about all the other guys that were there who were solid players who had been, most of our guys were fourth year seniors um, on that team, That's um, or, you know, or rising juniors who had been there for three years yeah. So we had a really veteran group, and that plays a big part in, you know, Absolutely. the success of a team. Absolutely. Well, listen, I am so proud to announce again that you are listening to Believe in the ACC with your hosts, Charlie Ward and Lloyd Spence. It is so amazing to have this, and we are sponsored by uh, Believe or BetOnline.ag. And the wait is finally over. Football is back, so you might not be – at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. And I've had a chance, Charlie, to go and look at the site and really play around with it. It's it's really, I'm not really a, a betting kind of guy, but I'm gonna tell you the site is impressive. If you this it's really kind of like a better's paradise because not only do you have the opportunity to uh work through the game spreads and stuff like that, but they have these casinos. So if you you can't get to Las Vegas right now. Uh, so if you want, or Atlantic City. So if you want to go in and play around the casinos, you can do that as well. So from the game spreads and totals to team, player and coach props, 
Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always, again, the online casinos as well, and they never close. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. So we're happy to have them on as sponsors of our uh, podcast and the Believe Network as a whole. So we're, we're grateful for them. Man, this is this is really fun. I I look at uh, the ACC before, and I look at the ACC now, and you said something that was really key, I thought. Um, the ACC, when you were playing, was not a football powerhouse at all. I don't think it was. It was all, everybody knew it as a basketball powerhouse. But, man, right. now – the ACC might be the most complete conference top to bottom uh, in football, in baseball, in basketball. I mean, all the way across the board. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would say we would be, yes, ranked very high. Uh, you know, the ACC from top to bottom when it comes to all the sports. I think we do have a good collection of um, schools that represent um, the ACC, uh, whether it's lacrosse and, and you know, Duke, yeah. um, that's, you know, teams, um, and, you know, baseball, you know, I, I think it, I know Florida State has been there, yeah. uh, Clemson's been there, Clemson's been there. um, yeah. maybe Little, North Carolina, yeah, and Miami. so I know we've had some, some, some Miami, yeah. some baseball teams, uh, that have gotten in there uh, as well. I know Florida State, from a softball perspective, you know, we kind of held the mantle for, you know, a few years uh, here lately. But I just think, uh, you know, the ACC has improved over the course of our time, the time that I've, I've known it, um, especially, you know, just from an overall standpoint. It, it's been, you know, they spent money, you know, ACC Network, yeah. uh, you know, joining forces with uh, ESPN, I do believe, to be able to showcase, you know, not just the major sports, but all the sports. Right, um, right. Some of their games and, and being able to see those on television, that's played a big part, you know, in the success of uh, growing the sports as well. One thing I've, 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 I've been incredibly excited about is what you just said, the, w the way that it has unfolded over these past years. And I'm going to tell you something, Charlie. I don't know if your group of players or your – and I'm just not just talking just specifically Florida State, but I am talking Florida State, and that whole group there gets enough credit of – of really bridging that gap to what you're seeing today. Because one of the most significant moments in ACC history was you playing basketball in the ACC. Because everybody knew you as the Heisman Trophy uh, winning, uh, championship winning football player. But man, what, get, what doesn't get talked about enough is what you did on the basketball court uh, during in the ACC as well, and now I'm going to bring up a painful memory. <laughs> but when you beat uh, the team that I covered for years, the Louisville Cardinals, 
moments like that resonate throughout the country and it, and it is no longer just duke in north carolina now it's duke north carolina florida state now it, the acc looks bigger and better and and i think that had a lot to do with you know because for a while we would say the acc is the powerhouse but it really i would say in basketball it was really just in the 80s and early 90s it was duke and north carolina those were the real powerhouses because of georgia right. so yeah but when you guys broke through the way that you did that was kind of a resonating moment throughout the NCAA. Uh, yes, actually, our first ACC basketball game, we beat North Carolina um, in the Dean Dome. Um, and, you know, that was a very good game and moment for Florida State history, basketball history. Uh, but it also gave us an opportunity to be well re recognized that we do play basketball at Florida State as well. That's right. Um, so... You know, it was a it was a great moment for us, um, and you know, I was grateful that I had opportunity to play against uh, you know Bobby Hurley um, and no and Duke, all the teams that he yeah. played for. Um, uh, I, I can't think of his first name. Phelps um, played at North Carolina. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 not that. Uh, uh, I know you're talking about. Um, it'll come to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, and so you know, those guys, those North Carolina teams, the Duke teams, they were, as you mentioned, they carried and they had pros in those teams, yeah. And so, just to be able to compete with them, even win some games against uh, both of those teams, were you know, was great, they were great moments for us. And I just, you know, I think that was like a, a the foundational piece and now what coach Hamilton is doing over the course oh, of his yeah. tenure, uh, you know, has given us uh, an opportunities to be able to recruit at those same level as a Duke and North Carolina, getting those same types of players um, and making our name known. And of course, you know, some of the teams that have come along, um, Syracuse, you know, being one uh, that everyone's kind of, um, and, and then Louisville, right. you know, coming along, uh, joining forces. And, and, and so now you, you bring in some guys who have been playing basketball, schools have been playing basketball into the conference. Um, it definitely uh, gives uh, a little bit more competition. I mean, that's kind of what you want, you yeah. know, because of, you know, revenues and just the competition yeah. and the representation of the, uh, the conference. I think that's very, very important, um, you know, the schools that they brought in from a basketball perspective. And, of course, they fit in somewhat in football. Uh, but you never know, you know, with these decisions they make, on, you know, conference realignment and the teams that they bring in, which sport, you know, they're bringing them in for. And so I know for us, we probably got in because we were a football school. And sure. they wanted a good football school. You know, interesting story. One of the things I know Coach Bowden mentioned uh, when we, because I think we were being courted by the SEC and the ACC. And um, he mentioned, I think you, I heard him say this one, one time before, is, you know, when you talk about the SEC, they have some great football teams, basketball teams, just overall great conference. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the ACC from a football perspective, uh, at that time, 
you really didn't have, you know, all the powerhouses in a sense. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, people say, man, win a championship. They don't, they don't care how. Yeah. They just say win a championship. Yeah. And that's the goal. And so when I think when it came down to it, he was like, which, I want to say easier, but which uh, will be the, the the less likely to have to knock your head each and every year against, you know, certain guys, certain teams. Right. And doing that at that time, you know, we were all equal in a sense of if you can win your, your conference championship, you can win a national, you have an opportunity to win a national championship. Right. And so, you know, when it was all said and done, you know, we chose ACC because we could help elevate from a school, from a football perspective, mm -hmm. but we could also win the ACC and have an opportunity to win a national championship. And it came true, you know, in our second year uh, being in the ACC. So that was that was a really smart move by uh, by by Coach Bowden and and, and that uh, the the AD directors and everybody to make that move. Uh, you know, you, I think that's a great point. And it's actually now, I think, the blessing and the curse because the ACC, while it did a phenomenal job of bringing teams together that I think have credibility in both basketball and football, it has now also created in both basketball and football this enormous amount of competition to where you have to survive the ACC. And it's, it's right. not as easy as it used to be in either sport to be able to survive. You know, it's funny, a lot of people talk about the SEC as being the most dominant football conference in America, but the truth of the matter is, and it's of my, I am of the opinion, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. I've always said that the SEC was top heavy, that Alabama's great, uh, Georgia's usually great, Florida's usually great, um, and then uh, maybe Auburn is, you know, up and down, but they're usually pretty good. But everybody else is just okay. Whereas with the ACC, I don't know if the ACC gets enough credit that now in football, man, Florida State's going to be good. Clemson's going to be good. Virginia Tech's going to be good. Miami's going to be good. Louisville has started to now have this thing where they're good all the time. I mean, it's a lot of teams. So just to survive the ACC now is a chore uh, in football, and it's, and we already know what basketball is. By far, the ACC is, you know, I mean, light years ahead of everybody else in basketball. So it's a challenge to survive in this conference and compete for a national championship. And uh, Clemson has managed to figure out how to kind of separate itself from the pack a little bit, but everybody else is still trying to find its footing because, man, we have beat each other up. Yeah. Uh, but I think when you start looking at a lot of conferences, um, you're going to be top heavy. And that's, you, right. you think about the NBA, um, you think about the NFL, most of the conferences or leagues have, you know, are top heavy. Um, they may have five or six teams uh, that may be competing at a high level, but then right. you're going to have some mid, you know, some, some, some teams in the middle. Then you're going to have your bottom uh, level teams uh, that may not put much money into their sport, whatever sport that is. 
and they may not be able to compete at a high level. They may have different, you know, thought process when it comes to sports. They may be academic heavy, right? Um, and what have you. Um, and so, you know, just take Duke, for instance. They've made great strides in football, but I don't think they will ever get to a point where they're competing for, you know, beating Duke um, and some of the top teams consistently because they just, I mean, that's just the way they've set up, you know, yeah, themselves. No, absolutely. It's hard, um, to, yeah, it's hard to get, yeah. No, I agree. And so, I and so, and so I think, you know, that's one of the things we have to look at because yes, the ACC, the SEC, now are we going to just a, a conference only schedule? It's tough to get out of any of those conferences. Absolutely. Uh, because now you're playing against, you know, similar competition for the most part. Um, teams get up for, you know, conference games. And it'll be interesting to see this year since it's kind of like a, you know, there may be one game where you have outside of your conference, but all the rest of them are conference games. And it'll be interesting to see how many teams in these conferences go unbeaten mm. or have one or two losses. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the top, I'm talking about the top teams that that's coming Absolutely. in. And Absolutely. so it'll be interesting to see. And then this year, of course, we, we added Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, to, to the mo to the fold uh, for this year um, only. And it, it, it'd be interesting to see how they pan out because they've been a top tier team, you know, the Pat, well, they're a top tier team in school football wise um, as well. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see how they do in the in, in, in ACC. Before I get into some of the questions that I want to ask you specifically about the ACC, you are now my co-host. You are my brother, my friend, my family, as you said. So I want the inside scoop. This is a question that has been in every barber shop in America for the past some 20 years. So I got to get the inside scoop. I got family and friends that would kill me if I didn't ask. Here it comes, Charlie. You're wearing, okay. your, you're wearing your Knicks jacket right now. <laughs> for, those, for those who are listening on the podcast, on Spotify, whatever you're listening on, he's wearing a beautiful Knicks jacket right now. I have to know, why did you not go to the NFL? <laughs> Um, everybody, you well, know, everybody wants to know. That might be the number one question you get asked, right? Uh, it does. Okay. And, you know, a simple, a simple answer is, is you know, a job opportunity. Uh, I didn't get a job opportunity in the NFL. I didn't get drafted. And so there was no job opportunity there. Wait a minute. And stop, 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 stop. You, you ended the draft? Uh, yes, I was entered into the draft, um, and I did some of the things for the. I did most of the things for the draft, just not in a their 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 uh, time table. So I wasn't one hundred percent committed to the NFL draft. Just, okay, just for you know, so people know. But you didn't have to be your Charlie Ward. Well, I mean, no, yes, and, and, and I. And I, I I am Charlie Ward. That is for sure. Right. But I do not. I do not run the NFL. <laughs> no, no. I get. I get what you're saying. I guess what I'm thinking is, there was enough game tape 
And man, that blow what you are you are blowing my mind right now. Cause I that I'm telling you, friends, and 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 I understand why some people may not have had that information, because ESPN at that time was just starting to really get going and there was no real national news about that. So it was probably news, but not in the way that it would have been news today. But to hear you say that, that blows my mind because you're Charlie Ward. And anybody that watched you play would have said, that's a no-brainer. That's a, that's a pro quarterback, without question. Did, did, did you feel like you missed an opportunity or were you good with it? Because you were like, well, listen, I can play basketball too and not have to get hit by a 300-pound lineman. Uh, well, my prayer was that God closed the door and opened the door on the options that I had, I which was uh, the NFL, the NBA, um, or Major League Baseball, whatever it was, you know, going to get a regular job if those things didn't work out. Uh, regular meaning, you know, Right. outside of professional sports right. and he I mean I, I went through the, some of the steps uh, I went through most of the steps uh, for the NFL um, and I was a third or fourth round draft pick uh, you know that was my draft grade and I got a call from the um, Kansas City Chiefs uh, in the fifth round uh, and asked if I wanted to come and be the backup for Joe Montana. He was on his, you know, he was about to retire. And they said, you can have the job after he retires. Um, and that would have been a great opportunity, but I was the fifth round. And I told them that I couldn't guarantee them uh, that I would be able to, that I would come to camp if I was drafted in the first round in the NBA. Um, and so they, they chose not to draft me. Uh, based on me being honest. And I also told them that if I wasn't drafted in the first round in the NFL draft, that I would uh, consider my other options. Um, and so that also warranted um, me not being drafted uh, because I, at that time, times have changed. Um, at that time, uh, they weren't given six foot whatever, 185-pound, 95-pound guys, an opportunity to be first-round picks. Um, you had to I – didn't, I didn't fit any mode um, or style of quarterbacking play during that time, uh, during my time of coming out uh, that was in the NFL. And so uh, people didn't feel like my style fit was a good fit. Wow. Um, and if you had a certain – uh, you know, measurables. If you yeah. had the right measurables, you know, they would take a chance on you. Right. Uh, right. So you had to be 6'3", uh, you know, 215 pounds. Yeah. You know, that was the kind of mode that they would take a chance on you in the first round. Um, I, like I said, if I would have been a football-only guy, then I would have probably gotten drafted. Um, but I chose to have options. Um, and I'm grateful that I did get an opportunity to play in the ACC because it gave me more exposure uh, playing against some of the guys who were playing professionally. Yeah. Um, and so that played a big part in just the opportunity that I had to be able to 
make the NBA an option. And so Charlie, that that's the reason why I did that, not get drafted. That's amazing. And and the, the, the amazing irony of that entire story is that now the Charlie Ward then now would be the first pick in the draft. No question about it. Like the absolute first pick in the draft. And I, it, I, that's unbelievable. That I, I did not know that that was the way that that unfolded. That's an unbelievable. That's that's incredible, man. Um, do you ever think but, you, you came but, along too early? <laughs> um, well, I mean, there's a lot of things that we. There are some great times and some things you miss out on, but. Um, I'm grateful for all the things that I had. I got an opportunity to play in the NBA for 11 years as a football kind of thought of player, which yeah. that won't ever happen again. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I just, I just know that when the time came for me to not get drafted, I was not upset. Um, I think that's answered one of your questions. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't upset about it. Um, there were some family members and friends that may have been, but I wasn't because I made a decision uh, to not be 100% committed. Yeah. And, I think, and, and so, I think you made the right decision because you had a phenomenal NBA career as well. Like, you didn't, it's not like you missed out on anything. You just didn't play <laughs> NFL. You, but you you'd had a great, you know, you competed for championships. You did, I mean, you, I mean, you, listen, you, you had a really, really great career. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Charlie. You had, <laughs> that's all. Well, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed my NBA, NBA career. Absolutely. absolutely. Charlie Ward and Lloyd Spence hosting the Believe in the ACC show. Again, we are sponsored by uh, betonline.ag. Betonline.ag. Uh, like we said, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You can't come to the game. You might not be able to get to the game, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Uh, from the game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, uh, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place else online. And of course, when the games are over and there's no more games to bet on that week, you can always go to the online casino because it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Uh, Charlie, I want to get into some, some, some ACC conversation while we got some time here. Um, I heard Dabo Sweeney say something this week uh, that was interesting, or last week, that was interesting. I know we're still, everybody's still trying to figure out the dynamics of college football through COVID and all that stuff. But what's interesting is uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten jumped out there early and said, we're not going to play right now. We're going to delay, not cancel, but delay the season. We're trying to figure out when, if it'll be in the spring. Now I'm hearing some talks that they may start October, maybe mid to late October. But Dabo Sweeney, Coach Dabo Sweeney at Clemson thought, I don't like that because I don't want them playing later than us and then they still get to compete for a national championship when it's all said and done. What are your thoughts to that? Do you believe that um, whoever starts the season in September needs to be who competes for a championship at the end of this 
this window, which is September to November or September to December, which is the regular window that they would compete for a title? Or would you want to see it extended out to include whatever the results for the Pac-12 and Big Ten team are? Um, it will be tough to see um, just because this is one thing that we here in Florida from a high school standpoint, um, we had as a board, they had to wrestle with, um, and as an association, they had to wrestle with because one part of the state, or there were a group of, you know, people in the state, they were ready to uh, start. And then there were some who just weren't ready, you know, just because of their area, uh, wasn't ready to start, you know, sports. And so they gave them a, a, a window to be able to start and then opt in to the state series mm. um, or opt out if you want to, whichever way they wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, they had a certain time to be able to do that. And if they didn't do it, they still could participate and have their games whenever they wanted to, but they just wouldn't be in the state series. Um, and so I, I do believe that that should be an option for you know, the teams that start later, um, that, you know, the teams that started in August, you know, they've been playing for a long time, but, you know, right now, we're still trying to get to game one, right. um, you know, and, and at least the power five, uh, the power five conferences, the ones that are still playing, we're still trying to get to game one. Um, and so uh, hopefully after game one, uh, we'll be able to see some progress and then continue to move forward. Uh, but I don't think uh, it will be, I don't say fair, but I don't think that, you know, extending the season out to mid-January so that teams can have, you know, can get their 10 games in if they start in October um, and then have the teams that have been playing since uh, September to, uh, you know, to, um, to November, uh, you know, extend all the way out to the middle of January. Yeah. Or the latter part of January. That's just a long season. Yeah. Um, and for those that have started. And I know the SEC starting like their first games of September 26th. Mm -hmm. um, ACC starting this week. Right. Um, and so, um, and I think Big Ten, Big 12 is, starting this week as well um, and so and there have been some cancellations some some uh, some changes in some of the games this week from some of the teams uh, due to the COVID um, protocols and, and so you know we may see more of those during the course of the year right. but I do believe that they built into the schedule that the, that time to be able to move games to different times to be able to play um, so uh, now you're looking at some of the other conferences who chose not to, you right. know, kind of kind of you know move along and then make those adjustments, you know, during the course of the year. Yeah. You know, they're starting to rethink um, some of the things. I know the Pac Pac-12. Yeah, Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah, Pac-12. You know, now they have tests being able to be able to test. Um, you know, their players more. So now they feel a little bit com more comfortable with 
you know, them getting a chance to play because they can do, you know, do uh, testing uh, at a higher level. Um, and of course, the Big Ten, I mean, they've had chaos since they made a decision yeah. between players coming out, parents coming out, coaches coming out, and everyone's kind of coming out, you know, saying that they wanted to do it, at least move it along, and then make adjustments, you know, according to canceling games or postponing games or whatever. But they just didn't want to just come out outright and say we, we weren't going to play the, the season. Yeah. Um, and so now I think they're kind of going back. But I, I, just, I just think it's tough on those schools that's been practicing for six weeks, almost six weeks, you know, before the first game mm -hmm. um, to, to continue to hold on until January. That's just a long time, mid-January. I agree. I agree. It's, it's, we're in a weird, weird, weird place right now. Obviously, uh, the whole year has just been unbelievable. And uh, the, you know, who, who knows? Only time will tell who was right and what was right to do with all of this. Uh, just as you were talking just a minute ago, there is some breaking news coming out of the ACC. Uh, and it's ACC coaches, as of yesterday, uh, have signed a proposal, a joint proposal, uh, for the NCAA men's basketball tournament where all of the NCAA Division I teams would participate in an NCAA 2021 tournament. So it feels like they're, they're just, they're gearing towards something that puts everybody in the pot and allows everybody to compete. And then let's see what happens from there. So I don't know. That's that's an interesting proposal. Um, the NCAA Council is expected to announce a decision on the format for women's sports on September 16th. But the ACC wanted to throw this proposal into the ring to kind of give the NCAA something to think about for women's sports. Uh, one thing I kind of do like about that is that at least putting – it off and allowing us to just play some kind of form of that would allow everybody, everybody in the country, all the schools time and the country as a whole time to get on the other side, maybe of some of the COVID stuff. And then that way we can kind of put them, maybe, maybe there's some bubble opportunities to put the teams in if we run a, a tournament for X amount of weeks or whatever. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's an interesting proposal. I'm 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 excited that the ACC took some lead on proposing something like this. What are your thoughts when you hear something like this? I know we're just kind of hearing it right now uh, in real time. Yeah. Tell tell uh, share share it with me again. So so the NCAA uh, uh, or or more specifically the ACC, the coaches in the ACC, the basketball coaches came together and said that they would prefer to avoid non-conference games in 2021 due to the complications of COVID and then to push for an all-inclusive NCAA tournament. That would include all Division I teams. So it would be the, I guess what they're proposing is this massive NCAA tournament that would include all the teams, forego all of the conference games, but just include every single team in Division I sports and then – Pair it down to a national championship that way. 
So no no conference games, you're saying? And it looks like no conference games at all. Um, just just uh, the tournament itself. So kind of like a, a, a massive AAU-style thing, but single elimination, it sounds like. Well, that's definitely uh, a <laughs> single elimination. Uh, you know, that's a uh, – I definitely understand where they're, where they're trying to go. Uh, as far as just trying to get uh, games, you know, played. But what if a team loses like in the first week? They only play one game, right? Well, um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's um, that's what we that's what it looks like we're talking about. So it's 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 interesting. I mean, I don't know if the NCAA is going to go for it because that's that sounds like a lot of money lost. But yeah, um, and it's and ultimately it's going to come down, I think, to that. I, 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 they may, they may want to do. Now, what I could see, and you tell me what you think about this. What I could see is maybe some form of a round robin tournament within the conferences, conference? each conferences, or. And then scale it to the 68 best teams or whatever. Um, but just to have no conference games at all, uh, I, that's a lot to ask the NCAA to commit to. But with, but I think one of the quotes coming out from one of the coaches, I think this is Wake Forest's coach, Steve Forbes. He said this on Twitter. I'll read this to you. He says, I'm so proud to stand united with every coach in the ACC in the belief that every Division I college basketball program should be allowed to participate in the NCAA tournament this year. This is what's best for our student-athletes, fans, and the sport of college basketball. It will incentivize everyone that loves and cares about our great sport during these unprecedented times, and it will provide a safe environment for all to participate in let's get this done. And then Coach Mack of Louisville, also uh, submitted something. He says, for the 21 Wednesdays, for the last 21 Wednesdays, we as ACC head coaches have been meeting to discuss options for college basketball in 2021. And in bold print, he says, we are united. The safety of our players is paramount. The ability to incentivize the regular season without mandating a select number of non-conference and conference games provides options and flexibilities for all member institutions. As ACC head coaches, we strongly believe it's in the game's best interest to have an all-inclusive 2021 NCAA tournament, and he signed it and released it. So I, this is a – that's a radical, radical proposal. Yeah. Um, now, I, 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 I would I, – I like your proposal of having a round-robin – uh, tournament within the within the conferences, and then you take maybe the top four or five out of each conference mm -hmm. after they play, say in a two month span mm -hmm. of games, or, you know, twice a week or whatever the case may be. Um, if you're trying to limit the number of games that they're playing, right? Um, and then you take those four teams or five teams from each conference. 
um, and then give them an opportunity to play in this one, this you know, one and done, you know, all-inclusive deal. Um, and and I think that may be, you know, and every team's not going to get an opportunity because if right. you're, at least you can get some games in, you know, within the conference, and then you can have then more teams will have an opportunity to, to compete in the NCAA tournament. Um, because right now, you normally get, you know, maybe eight teams out of the ACC, mm -hmm. seven to eight teams out of the SEC, and all the major conferences get, you know, a lot more. And then you have your champion, uh, your champions from the one, the one bid leagues. Uh, and so now you would probably give those teams a little bit, you know, some of the teams that may have one or two or two or three teams that are pretty good in the league, they get an opportunity to at least have a chance uh, to to win, to, to get in the tournament uh, when otherwise they, they wouldn't, you know, get a chance. And so that would definitely incentivize those, those teams, but it also helped the major uh, uh, conferences as well with some teams that may not have an opportunity uh, that normally would get in. Um, right. And so I just think it's something, you know, you, we, we can look at it. If you want to put more teams from the SEC to the major conferences in the deal, and then, you know, three or four from or three from, you know, some of the one bid leads, yeah. then, you know, that's fine as well. Yeah. But I just think, you know, you need to get some games in because a one and done situation from a, you know, <laughs> playoff type mentality, you know, one, you know, a tournament situation. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Well, uh, and that's you know, a lot of, that's a lot of work and preparation for, for potentially only one game. Correct. I, and then the other thing that I thought about it, and again, we're reacting to this, those of you listening and watching online and watching on our uh, Noisemakers page, we're actually re reacting to this in real time. So we haven't had time to think about it. So we're kind of just going off the top here. But one of the things, I think the NBA has already given us the model and uh, the WNBA have already given us the model in how to keep these players safe, coaches safe. Um, and the staff safe. So you're probably looking at something that's going to have to follow a bubble model. And so it to bubble a team in for, you know, a couple of weeks to do a round robin type thing might be okay. And then you transition and bubble to the next level of the tournament and so on and so forth. And because you're looking at probably – to if to to include everybody, you're probably looking at what two and a half months of tournament. I mean, I, it, it's going to be a while. You because you, you're playing games every other day. I mean, it's, it's that's a lot of that's a lot. And these are student athletes. That's the other part of this that we 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 say. But I don't know if we always understand or or really really push like we're supposed to. These are student athletes, so they got to maintain academic responsibilities in the midst of all this. So how do you do that in a way where they have sufficient study time, sufficient practice time? And then, like you said, they're not just a one and done situation. Like you go through all this and then you play one game and then that's it. That's the whole season. So, Yeah. Well, the other thing now that's, you know, become evident 
um, really is virtual learning. And so, you know, now that we're in a virtual learning mode, it can happen. And so you can be somewhere uh, in a bubble and still remain, you know, academically sound with the study halls and all the other things that right. you may have, um, you know, available to you. Um, and so that is a possibility now that virtual learning is a thing that we, we know about um, and we can use to the best, you know, best of our ability uh, and be able to hold kids accountable uh, for their learning. Um, and I said it, it wasn't happening before, which I think it, it started to happen, but now that we've been distance learning for, you know, almost eight months or whatever it is, um, you know, we, we have a better model to be able to help support the academic piece. Yeah. Um, it, it wouldn't be any different than if they were at home um, and they were practicing and they also had to go to class. Um, if they're in a bubble, they can do the same thing. You can set the schedule to where they have study time or class time. Uh, then you have practice around, you know, the player schedule because most coaches schedule around or most kids schedule around practice and vice versa, um, whether it's football, basketball, or any sport. Um, and so they have their own set schedule to where they can still accomplish all the things that they need to accomplish. Uh, but from a financial standpoint, um, you know, I don't know what that looks like, especially when I don't know who's going to kick in, maybe. The, the sponsorship dollars are kicking in to be able oh, to help yeah. support, you know, the, the hotel bill. Yeah. Um, I know the NBA was able to do it because they're the NBA. Right. Um, and sponsors and th different things, they were able to, you know, carve out, you know, Disney World. Right. Uh, to, be able to, to, to be able to make this you know, a reality for the NBA as far as the bubble is concerned. Uh, but I don't know who's going to foot the bill, you know, because right now we got the NCAA on furlough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, coaches are at, being asked to take pay cuts and budgets are being cut due to, you know, COVID. Um, and, and so I don't know from a financial standpoint, you know, how that would be able to, you know, happen. And, and, and then again, <laughs> somebody step up and say, man, I'll, I'll do it. I'll foot the bill. Yeah, you know, I'll, be, I'll be responsible for, you know, sponsor for this team because there are people out there making money uh, during this time. And there are some people who may be generous and say, or, or want to be the sponsor and say, I'll sponsor this region, you know, whomever it may be. Yeah. This is really, uh, and again, we're, we're reacting to this in real time. This is some kind of a breaking news story. I, on our first day together, man, I, we got a breaking news story. How about that? <laughs> but um, it's it's really a fascinating proposal coming from the ACC coaches. Uh, and and, and I'll, be, I'll say this. I'm not really surprised. Uh, one person I believe has been very outspoken throughout all of this is Mike Krzyzewski uh, as it relates to keeping players safe. And a lot of the coaches have, but for sure, he has been at the forefront of, of the charge of keeping players safe and making sure 
that, um, you know, we do things the right way. And for them to say they've met 21 times, according to Coach Mack, uh, over the last, since this all began, that they're obviously taking this all very seriously. Uh, again, the winner proposal, for those listening, the winner proposal from the NCAA is supposed to come out on September 16th. So we won't hear anything from them uh, until then. But I'm sure with this being stated by the, SC, uh, the ACC, I'm sure other conferences are going to pick up on it. They may have even already had conversations with other conferences. So uh, by the time we are, we are on the air next uh, Tuesday, uh, there may be a, a full-blown discussion about all of this. Uh, because I guess by next Tuesday – uh, we'll be pretty close to the decision. We'll be, it'll be, I think next Tuesday is the, uh, maybe the 14th or 15th or something like that. But, but anyway, we'll be pretty close to some kind of, yeah, next Tuesday will be the, uh, the, uh, 15th. So it'll come the day after. So we'll, we'll, we'll have, by the time we get back on the air on Thursday, uh, <laughs> we'll have a decision. So anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I'm, that really was something I wasn't prepared to hear that today, but I'm glad it came up. And, and you know, in sports, we just roll with it. But uh, that that's a um, that's an interesting, interesting proposal. You you brought up a lot of great points. Uh, who obviously who's going to pay for it? How do they pull it off? Do they just pick um, a city and go to that city and say? We're buying up this hotel for a month or whatever, and <laughs> it's got there's a lot of logistical things that will have to be considered to make all this work. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and uh, you know maybe the city that that's hosting may um, I mean they may benefit from it, but they also may put some put some resources in to be able to help you know the schools. Uh, be able to pull this off. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know discount r rooms um, and, you know, those types of things. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, there's always the, the first wave of information. Yeah. And, and there's the second wave of, you know, understand a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, like the whole truth. And that's right. somebody come up with this. <laughs> You know, somebody come out and just say from the beginning that this is what we did and this is what we were thinking. This is how this came about. Um, and, and so that's always you know, news. This is very interesting news. So we'll definitely be tracking this story uh, going forward. So while we just got a few minutes left, Charlie, I want to uh, bring up the schedule. Because uh, we got games that we did say are starting this week. We're, we're, hopefully, they will go off without a hitch. So, uh, I'll just run through a couple of them with you. And you just kind of give me your, your, your thoughts. Um, I guess some of the bigger games that will be taking place. I'll start right in your uh, backyard there. Florida State, Georgia Tech. What are you, what are you thinking about that one? Um. Uh, I'm hoping that it's a competitive game. It's a first game for everyone. Um, and so, you know, we've seen so far, we've seen a lot of lopsided games. Right. Um, the games has been played, you know. And so one team is, you know, taking advantage of the other team. I don't know if they're better, but they're, it's the first week. 
And so I'm just a big believer that the first week, anything can happen. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's a lopsided game or it's a close game, we have, you know, it's a back and forth trying to figure it out, two teams competitive. Um, there are going to be mistakes because it's the first game against somebody else. Yeah. Um, and those things do happen. Um, but I like, of course, Florida State. Um, um, I, I do believe Georgia Tech has made great strides. Uh, Coach Collins, I think, is, uh, has, has um, you know, done an amazing job of uh, bringing uh, Georgia Tech uh, to be different yeah. than what they yeah. used to look like yeah. under Coach Johnson. And I just, uh, I think, you know, he may be a year or two away from fully getting the, the type of players that he need uh, to fit his system. Um, I think he's done a great job of bringing in some transfers, uh, some some uh, guys who are coming back um, that are, that were very good defensive players. Um, I think one of the kids, Swilling, um, is one. And actually, uh, the safety, uh, one of the safeties uh, that is at Georgia Tech is from my hometown. Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, it's not Willis. It's Thomas. Charlie mm -hmm. Thomas is his name. And so he, he went to the rival school, my, my rival school in Thomasville, but he's a good kid anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, so they the have some school, but he's a good kid anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. He's in Thomasville. Right. Uh, but I think that they're trending in the right direction. And of course, with Coach Norvell coming in, they're also trending in the right direction. Uh, he's done a great job of bringing stability, uh, consistency in the coaching staff. And then we've always had athletes, but now we have more guys, um, you know, new guys that we may not, we haven't heard heard about. Um, of course, we have James Blackman, they named as the, as the quarterback. Um, and he's been playing like forever. This is like his fourth year. He's a senior. Mm. He's a senior. He's like, had like four, four offensive coordinators. Yeah. And so, you know, he's finally getting his footing. Uh, where he's the lone starter, you know, in the past he's had to share time and he's had a lot of difficult, difficult situations that he's had to navigate through with his offensive linemen. Um, and, and of course, you know, that's something I'm looking forward to seeing is how our offensive line has improved um, under Coach Atkins, um, Alex Atkins. Um, and, and so that'll be interesting to see how they've improved. I know from a skill standpoint, we have all the things we need to be successful. Uh, but when it's all said and done, uh, I hope it's a competitive game, but uh, I think Florida State will win. Our defense, uh, from what I've heard, is, you know, will be top notch. Well, you know, speaking of that, I, I tell you one player that I'm looking forward to watching this year, uh, and, and I'll tell you this, he made a huge impact on me off the field just with right. his willingness to, uh, to step up and say some things. And I think, as, as weird as it might sound, his willingness to speak out on some things is probably a reason why a lot of coaches may have stepped up their game on making sure that protections were in place for COVID. But on the field, Marvin Wilson, I'm looking forward to watching him play. I think he's going to have a phenomenal breakout year. I think he's going to be in the conversation 
Uh, I'm I'm even willing to go as far as to say he's probably the best defensive player in the conference. Uh, and so uh, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be just outstanding for Florida State. And if he can anchor that defense that you're talking about, Florida State might sneak in and really be in some some games that you didn't expect them to be in, and maybe have, make make a decent run in some things. If that defense really comes to life, like I think they're possibly capable of doing behind Marvin, uh, it, it could be interesting. It could be very interesting to see what they do. Uh, yes, um, that is true. And Marvin, you know, he stepped out, and uh, that's what leadership is. You know, you, you step out, um, you make decisions, you you speak out, and then his whole his whole uh, mission was not just to speak out about these things, but to put action items in place. Right. And so right. He, he he gathered the group, and Corey Durden and some of the other Seminoles gathered the group. And they put action items on how they can help support um, the community. Um, and so that's the thing that I'm just big on is, you know, we can talk about, you know, social injustice and all these other things. But if there are no action items behind it to be able to make change um, at the grassroots, grassroots level, yeah. then we're just, you know, as my buddies say, chopping our gums. You know? No, I totally agree. So, totally agree. One of the games that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, on a very uh, selfish level, but also just as an analyst, uh, I'm looking to see, uh, looking forward to seeing what Louisville and uh, the Western Kentucky game looks like as well. Not because I think Louisville's going to struggle with Western Kentucky. In fact, I think they're probably going to blow them out. But I'm looking to see what Mikael Cunningham does from from last year to this year, what kind of jump he makes. Uh, if, he, if he becomes what his talent says he can become, and he, because I think he and Tutu Atwell at the end of last year started to find something. And, and, and it became something really, really special. And if they can build on that, along with Des Fitzpatrick and some others, I think they could really they could have an interesting run. The two sneaker teams, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Everybody knows Clemson's going to be Clemson, although I have a thought on Clemson that I'm going to share with you. It's probably going to shock you. But I think also the two sneaker teams for this year in the ACC, and dare I say a national championship run, are North Carolina and Louisville. I think their schedules set up really, really well for them to make runs uh, – because uh, Louisville this year doesn't have to play Clemson. <laughs> and they don't have to play North Carolina. So, uh, and the same thing for North Carolina. North Carolina doesn't have to play Clemson. They don't have to play uh, Louisville. So the fact that they can avoid those two teams um, all year long probably plays well for them to make a decent run in the conference. Well, um, I mean, you, you said something that I do believe um, is always, most times, you know, a key factor to a run to a national championship. <clears throat> and one of those things, you know, scheduling, that's one, and then injuries. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes when you're making a run for something, 
uh, or national championship or championship in an informal fashion, um, a key injury can play a big part. Um, for instance, let's just say a team, uh, Trevor Lawrence, he ends up getting hurt. Um, say he has a shoulder injury and he misses a game. And you're scheduled to play Clemson, you know, while he's injured. And say you beat Clemson. Right. Well, you know, you took advantage of that opportunity without them having one of their best players. Right. And he comes back and they finish the year off strong and those types of things. But that may catapult you to be in that driver's seat. Right. Uh, if you can beat a Clemson, even if they don't have their best player. And I say that because sometimes that does happen on your way to a championship uh, where you, your schedule, it lines up perfectly for you and you take advantage of that. You can't, you know, hang your hat on it, but you take advantage of it uh, by playing the best football at the right time and winning games, even if it's, you know, last drive, kick the field goal. The goal is to win the game. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people get misconstrued when it comes to, you know, wins and losses, but how people won. Yeah. Now, I don't care how you win, especially if you're playing against good competition. I don't care how you win. Let's just win the game. And if I'm 10-0 at the end of the year and I've had close, close wins the entire year, I shouldn't be penalized for winning all my games and you know the games have been close. What one of the games that the final games we'll look at real quick? Just uh, we got just a couple of minutes here. Uh, that I'm also interested in is is uh, North Carolina and Syracuse. North Carolina will feature who I think will will quietly. I've been predicting uh, that he will quietly make a Heisman Trophy run again. Going back to what you just said, mainly because the schedule lines up for him to do so is the quarterback of North Carolina, Sam Howe. Uh, it, it appears that he's in that prime position for something to, uh, for a breakout, and and I think he's gonna uh, I think he's gonna step into that. And then the defense, I think, is gonna be really good. They'll be led obviously by Chad Surratt, uh, who had a great season last year uh was the runner-up ACC defensive player of the year last year I think he had like 115 tackles uh 15 of them uh were for loss and he's just really really solid player he's that hybrid kind of player probably I don't know if he translates to li translates to linebacker in the NFL but in college he's a great linebacker but uh I think North Carolina is in position it'll be interesting it's interesting to see what they do against Syracuse who always plays everybody very tough, and that's why that's why I brought that up because uh, man, they they just somehow rally together, and the opponent that's in front of them, they're going to give you everything that you can handle. So, what are your thoughts on uh, a North Carolina Syracuse game uh, this weekend? Well, yes, everyone's uh, looking forward to watching Sam uh, Howell. Uh, his second year. Um, and yeah. so it'd be interesting to see his maturation process. He set the bar kind of high. He did. Uh, we still have some things to, to, you know, he can continue to develop in with more experience. And he has the playmakers and, 
and run from a running back standpoint, wide receivers, I do believe he has some some quality guys coming back, mm-hmm. probably more than quality. I think they're top tier guys. Yeah. Um, uh, but Coach Mac Brown has done an excellent job recruiting since he's been there um, two years. Um, he's brought in, he's kept a lot of guys in state. Um, he's brought some guys out of state. Uh, and that's one of his bread. I mean, that's one of the things he does well. Uh, yeah. He recruits well. Yeah. And so, you know, North Carolina, um, when he was at North Carolina, I was, uh, his first tenure at North Carolina, I was there. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. At Florida State. Yeah. And uh, he, he had competitive teams then. <clears throat> and now, you know, he's in a different era. Uh, he's able to recruit. They have better facilities. Um, and so he's able to keep people in-house uh, in state, uh, which I'm looking forward to just seeing them because they have so much hype to where right. you want to see right. it materialize on the field. Right. And I'm just hoping for – and Coach Mack, you know, good friends of mine, and I just hope to see him do well except for when they play Florida State. Is that what <laughs> Right. But I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Coach Gino Babers. I, I'm really, again, really impressed with what he has done already at Syracuse. Uh, I'm also impressed that he hasn't left. Because, um, you know, he's one – well, listen, he, he's – Syracuse is, is, is always – been decent at football. They, they, they never necessarily just a diehard powerhouse, but always a pretty good team. But these last few years, I think they've been incredibly uh, uh, competitive and 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 hungry, and they never quit on it. They obviously love Coach Babers, and I'm curious. So I and I know that that this game with North Carolina on paper looks like it could be a, a total blowout, but I would not be surprised. If Coach Babers and and the Orange keep it close, they're they're just they really are the he really is the kind of coach that pushes his team and whatever's on the field he gets the most out of. Huh? I I agree. Yeah. I agree. I definitely agree with that assessment. Well, listen, Charlie, this has been outstanding. We couldn't have asked for anything better for a first show. Uh, breaking news on our first show. This this is the Charlie <laughs> Ward effect. So, <laughs> so listen, man, this is great. Uh, so what a great Thursday to kick off everything. We will be back on Tuesday, uh, barring some major breaking news that we were not aware of would happen. But uh, with, with no breaking news coming up, we'll be back on Tuesday. And Tuesdays and Thursdays will be our regular uh, release days for our show. Charlie, thank you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear all of the Charlie Ward stories. That uh, over from the uh, from the NBA to Florida State to everything, and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. I appreciate it, Spence, and uh, enjoyed our first show, and I uh, look forward to doing more. All right, brother. Well, all right, you've been listening to Believe in the ACC, uh, this wonderful podcast. You can find it anywhere that podcasts are available. What we would love for you to do, uh, depending on your Uh, where you listen to your podcast is to follow us or to give us five stars. If you enjoyed what we've done here today, uh, that helps us to, for you to see it more and for more people to see the show and be acquainted with us. So we, we humbly ask you to uh, just please support us in any way that you can. And that's the best way to support us. And we will see you again on Tuesday as we believe in the ACC.
You have been listening to Believe in the ACC with Charlie Ward and Lloyd Spence. You can tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on the Believe Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere podcasts can be heard. You can also watch Charlie and Lloyd on Facebook, on the Noisemakers page, and on YouTube, on the Noise Media YouTube channel. Please like, subscribe, and follow on all our platforms, and we will keep taking you inside the ACC. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.